Welcome to Family Business Today, where we feature prominent local and national family business owners. We also talk to top family business experts to discuss relevant topics, including communications, business culture, family relationships, succession and estate planning, values, as well as conflict resolution. Brought to you by the Tennessee Center for Family Business, I'm your host, Greg Lewis. Our guest today is Brad Frank, an attorney with Houston Harborough Law Firm in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Brad works extensively with privately held clients as outside general counsel and advises on key initiatives such as business and strategic planning, commercial transactions, corporate governance, and estate and succession planning. He is a frequent lecturer and author on closely held business and tax topics, federal and state issues, and estate planning. Brad appears nationally on Bloomberg Television and Fox News websites for his business, tax, and succession planning advice. Brad is also the creator of the Success Solution, a customized program to assist closely held businesses in their transition to the next generation. Hello, Brad. I am so excited that you could join us today on this edition of Family Business Today. Greg, thank you very much for the invitation. It's my pleasure. Well, you, you certainly have an, a great background, and I enjoyed uh, reading uh, your new book that's coming out in April, and I know that our audience today is going to really get some great value out of what you're, you're talking about. So, so let's just jump right in. In reading your book, you talk about the second most difficult challenge for a business owner after starting a business is successfully exiting it. Why is this? Greg, I think the reason is that the successful business owner, entrepreneur, knows how to run his business, get clients, control expenses, deal with operations, but they're not familiar with the succession planning process or the need to address the issue. And just like if I asked you how to build a house, you might have some challenges because you would not know where to start. And there were so many things from electrical to plumbing to the roof. The landscape and the excavation, uh, oftentimes business owners get overwhelmed when they have to deal with succession planning because it's a foreign issue for them. And that's what I mean by it's so hard. Hmm. Hmm. So, so why is it different for a family business versus another privately owned or, say, a publicly traded company? Well, let's, let's work uh, in reverse. I think it may be easier for, for the publicly held company. Interestingly, I might add that in a publicly held arena, the average tenure for a CEO is about seven to nine years. And you have a non-emotional or less emotional board of directors. And that is one of their responsibilities is to address succession of the CEO. And you're not really dealing with ownership. Then you move to the closely held non-family business, and it is still somewhat less emotional, although it's, there's always emotions involved. Uh, it is more of a business focus than it is business slash family focus. But again, it's not easy. Uh, and then you add, then you move to the family business succession planning, and now you've added another layer of complexity, and that's the family. Uh, both the family that work inside the business and outside the business. So there is just more complications, more issues, which causes more stress. I think it causes it to be more difficult. 
Okay, very very good. So what you're talking about is is uh, where there's family is family and business is business, but neither the two shall meet. They do meet, and that's where you have emotions or issues and the stress that comes along there. Th- thanks for sharing that. So so uh, some statistics that we we all see show that only. 30% of family business owners successfully transition to the second generation, 15% to the third, and 3% to the fourth and beyond. I was recently talking to a family business that has successfully transitioned to the fourth generation and is already making plans to transition to the fifth generation, and the fifth generation is only seven years old. So why does successful transitions seem to work for some family businesses but fail for most? Yeah, and, and there's, a, there's a whole podcast in that question right there, Greg. Right, right, sure is. Yeah, but let me say a couple things. First, those statistics should not be an indictment to the family business because mm-hmm. if I were to ask you, uh, do you know the length or life of a publicly held company uh, on the S&P 500, their lifespan? And you might think it would be for a very, very long period of time, but it has actually shrunk over the last uh, decades. It's about, it's less than 20 years. So it is very, very hard to maintain a company. Um, I think it just becomes a little more difficult, again, when you add a family setting. But the another interesting statistic besides the 70% fail and 85% fail to the third generation There was a study that I cite in my book that said, okay, let's take a look at the failures and identify where they occur. And to my surprise, being first a CPA, then a lawyer, to my surprise, less than 15% of the time, the failure was related to technical matters, tax planning, things like that. Rather... 60% 60% of the failures that they studied, and by the way, they studied over 3,500 families. 60%, the reason was lack of communication and integrity. So let me just take a second here. When I talk about integrity, I don't mean you're a bad person. It's more like, Greg, will you have this report on my desk by Friday? And you said, absolutely, it will be on your desk on Friday, and it doesn't happen. And you're my brother. And I see you over the weekend, you know, horsing around. And it doesn't get Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Now uh, you, there's a lack of integrity in what you do. So 60% of it is the inability to communicate with a family and the lack of integrity. The, the 20% of the time, it's due to an unprepared or an ill-prepared successor. That is to say, the business owner did not prepare the person they are going to place in the CEO position. And if you think about this for a moment, 80% of the failures are within the business owner's control. I'm not saying it's easy, but it's within their control. So the the three top reasons that they talk is primarily integrity, lack of communication, that's 60%, uh, 20% ill-prepared or unprepared CEO, and the rest of it is technical issues. Okay, very good, very good. Yeah, I know uh, sometimes uh, when I'm talking to a family uh, business owner, they ask me, what, what would be your uh, advice uh, uh, 
uh, to us to help us uh, to successfully uh, transition. I said, well, let me give you three of them. The first one is communications. The second one is communications, and the third one is communications, because uh, you're right, communications is so important uh, when it comes to uh, when you're st- starting to talk about uh, transition, talking about family and business, and then also when that wealth uh, becomes a part of it. Thanks for sharing that. Integrity, uh, unprepared success for success in uh, technical matters. Thank you very much. So you state in your book that everyone involved in the succession planning process should start the process by answering the why. So, so Brad, what is the why and why why start there? Yeah, there's a great book, Greg, um, uh, Getting the Why, uh, that I actually reference in 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 the book. And you know, the, the author talks about that is the fundamental question business owners, by the way, his getting to why was not on succession planning. It was about business planning. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it, the author, and I agree with that, is so, it, the, the why you're doing something is so foundational that to skip the process, I think, is a terrible mistake. But the, the, the reason, and I'll get to the reasons for the others people say that they're why, but the, the other reason I... Um, request the clients I work with answer this question is because invariably, again, through this process, there will be conflict. Conflict isn't necessarily a bad thing, mm-hmm. uh, but when you run into a conflict and you're trying to arbitrate the issue, you go back to your why. Okay, so, so, you know, you, you think little Johnny or little Susie should be the CEO. Why are we doing this? Right? And, and, and does it reconcile to our why? Um, now, the whys that I see my clients, well, let me first say, everybody has a different why. And there's no cookie cutter that uh, I should give you or give your listeners what the answer should be. It's got to be uh, from, from their soul, uh, f- f- foundational. But uh, I believe uh, what I've heard the most is their why, and remarkably, is their employees, and their employees' families. Um, you know, if you have an, if you have twenty employees, you got twenty families that you're supporting. Um, and oftentimes, people, employers, look to their employees as family. The the other part, uh, this it's uh, also important, is that a why is normally the closely held business represents the significant amount of their net worth, and they need to figure out a way to monetize that for their retirement. So their why might be. I need a way to retire. I need an exit. Uh, or it might be the industry is changing and I don't have the skill set. So there are all sorts of whys, but I really believe that uh, if you answer this question, you are setting your foundation uh, for a successful succession plan. Oh, okay, great, great. Well, thanks for clarifying the why. So the why is everybody has a different why. Uh, and the great thing is, is if you can start by answering the, the why first, it will help you along in the succession planning process. So, so you mentioned that there are three major milestones one has to manage or decide upon in the transition process. Uh, what are they, Brad, and why are they so important? Yeah, I, I, um, you know, and I, I came up with this concept after I wrote the book, so maybe I'll have to go back and, and, and have a, a a limited edition, but yeah, there, there are three items, and we want to try to keep things 
Um, I say simple. That doesn't mean they aren't important, uh, but try to give direction for the closely held business owner. And I, I think that if they keep their eye on these three things, much further ahead. So uh, as I mentioned in the book, uh, the great football coach Don Shula once said, it's the start that stops most people. Um, and so the, the first uh, challenge, first step, first milestone is just getting started. Uh, you know, uh, business owners, I had one, a great client I'm working with, he told me, there's no better person that can kick the can down the road than I. Because uh, he just didn't want to deal with the trauma that he was going to incur with his family. And so he, it took four years to start the process. So the, the first part is just getting started. Uh, that's the first milestone. Uh, the second milestone is coming up with a plan, uh, a document. Um, again, a quote I use is Zig Ziglar. I think he said, uh, a, a goal once written is 50% accomplished. Um, you know, people say, well, yeah, I'm going to do a succession plan. And I'm going to start today. Okay, well, you know, what's the plan? And whether you talk to your accountant, your plan might be X. You talk to your financial planner, it might be Y. You talk to uh, someone that you are friends with, it might be Z. Uh, so you, you need a plan and you need to stay focused on the plan. And then, the, so first is start. Second is come up with a plan. And you can adjust the plan, just like uh, Covey talks about. You know, a plane that takes off is off course 97% of the time, but you keep readjusting, keep readjusting. And then the last milestone is, uh, is you got to execute. I have worked with many business owners where I come in and they have their succession plan or their strategic plan. It's 20, 30, 40 pages long, and, and it sits there gathering dust. You need to execute. Um, and and I, I apologize for keep giving quotes out, um, but the, uh, the, the, the other quote that I mentioned is that uh, a, a goal without action is nothing but a dream. Um, and if you want to accomplish something, you got to execute. You, so the execution also will allow you to determine whether you're on course or need to readjust. So to, to summarize real quickly, it's you know, you want to you want to start the process, you want to have a plan, and you need to execute on the plan. Very good, very good. So I've heard the word process mentioned uh, uh, several times, and uh, we talk about that an awful lot when we're talking to uh, to uh, uh, to families who are beginning this transition process. So. We, but we talk about transition as a process, not an event. Um, I know when I'm talking to family business owners, they, they, they always say, why does this have to be so darn difficult? Uh, briefly, what are the parts of the process? Well, uh, first, it doesn't have to be difficult. You know, they don't have to do anything, right? But we know what the solution will be. Right. So, you know, you, you can sit there and wait, and they'll take you out feet first. And, uh, you know, why do you care at that point in time? Well, in most heard, business, I, yeah. I hear that quite often. It's not yeah. my problem. Yeah, yeah. As, as my brother used to tell me, you know, Bradley, uh, no, no decision is a decision, right? So, that, so they are making a conscious decision 
and I think that's why there's such a failure uh, failure rate. But he, here's the process that I like to follow, and I think uh, works. And, I, and I, it's it's really taking a page in from the business world, right? And, and that's how I came about developing my process. So, you know, the, the first part is I say, okay, what are the basic values that you believe are important to your to your business and to you personally? Once again, because there's going to be a conflict, you got to go back to the values. You establish your values, and then you establish your why. Okay, so you know, and then ultimately, where do you want to go to? Where's that? Where's that lighthouse way out there that you want to get to? Right. Once you do that, I tell people you got to. The next step is you got to figure out where you are. Right. The example that I use is when I go to my local mall, and I, I'm not a mall person, um, and I want to get to the Apple Store. What do I do? I look at that big board for that little red dot that says, where am I? And then I know how to get to my path, right? So start with values, your why, your ultimate destination. Then find out where you are. Once you find out where you are and you know where you want to get to, what are the roadblocks? What are the obstacles that you can identify that are going to get in your way? Because unless those obstacles, they may prevent you from accomplishing your plan. So once you identify your plan, and how, how again, how are you going to overcome those obstacles? All right, so now you got that. The next one is, all right, if we're sitting here three years from today, Greg, what would you like to see have happen for you feel good about your succession plan? You say, okay, well, in three years, I'm like this, 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 this would happen. No, by the way, here are the obstacles I see in the next three years, and here's how I deal with it. Then I say, okay, what about a year from now? What would you like to see done in a year? And you say, okay, I'd like these things done. And then, all right, if this is going to be what you want done in a year, let's meet every 90 days. And you tell me in 90 days the three or four things. I don't want more than five. I want the three or four or five things you think we can do in the next 90 days to get you closer to the one year and to get you closer to the three year. And I have found almost uh, to the client, when we go through this, within a year, they've made more success than they ever thought they would. That's my process. Very good. Very good. So uh, we've, we've talked about 90 days. We've talked about uh, three years. So w- w- what we've talked about is, is time. So, uh, uh, so a business owner com- comes to you and says, I want to transition my business successfully. How long is it going to take, Bradley? What do you tell them? Yeah, uh, well, uh, first, you know, th- I believe this is a fundamental issue for any business and that you ought to have a succession plan in place in case you get hit by the bus, right? So, you know, I just think that's uh, important, just like you have internal controls with respect to your finance, you know, how you keep track of your financial records. I just think it's so fundamental. But if, I, if an individual came out to me and said, you know, I, I, I want to develop a succession plan, how long is it going to take? And my next, I would ask, follow it up with the question is, how much time do you have? Right? Mm-hmm. Um, my comment, my flip comment to people is, the longer you wait to put in a succession plan, the less options you have. So if someone says, look, I want to be out in five years versus I want to be out in one year, uh, there are different things that we will do. M- my experience, Greg, is when people engage me, I tell them, you, it, you should fire me in a year, that, that we should make significant progress 
on your succession plan that I can take the training wheels off for you and you're on your own. And again, I can come back, and, and I do with, with some clients, but my process that I follow is uh, four quarterly meetings. But we've certainly started a, a succession planning processes many years in advance of uh, the business owner exiting. Does that, does that answer the question? Sure, very much so. How much? Very much so. So, uh, so we have a family business. Uh, it may be the founder may still be there. It may be the uh, uh, second generation, whoever's the current generation involved in this. So, when you're talking to a family, who in the family business should be involved in the process of transitioning? Yeah, that's another great question. And, and, you know, there's once again, there's no right or wrong answer. There's no pat answer, but I'll try to do the best that I can. I, I think the business owner needs to look around and say, who are the important stakeholders uh, in this process that, that can be involved in the process and they can add to the process? Um, and so it is not everybody. It is not every family member. But it, 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 normally what it includes uh, will be your, your key officers of your company, whether that be family or non-family members. Um, it can also include uh, important key family members that may not be a, a key officer, be it a spouse, if the spouse uh, believes it's important for them to be there. I mean, the, the most recent matter I worked with, um, it was the non-working spouse who was the majority shareholder who had inherited the stock from the previous generation, uh, and her husband was running the company. So obviously, uh, the majority shareholder uh, needed to be in the room when we talked about transfer of ownership. Um, you, and if somebody, can, as I like to say, if they can't come, batteries included, uh, they're going to be a distraction then you ought to exclude them. That being said, I am much more uh, wanting to be inclusive than exclusive. I'd rather have more people in the room than less people in the room. Because the more people that are involved in the process, I'm sure you've seen it too, Greg, the more engaged they will be. Right. Uh, you know, when you, when you go into a room and you close the door and someone's on the other side of the door, they think, you know, uh, uncertainty is not a good thing for people. It gets back to communication. Mm-hmm. So I would err on including more. But, but there's a balance, right, because what you don't want to do is get all your employees nervous, uh, and you can't talk to everybody, and so it's, um, it's, it's a process that you have to sort of think through. Very good, very good. But what you're saying, though, is is that uh, it should it should be an inclusive process. It shouldn't be just the family business owner uh, uh, doing the transition planning process and then one day uh, uh announcing it to everyone that I've decided I'm going to retire and this is what we're going to do. Is that what you're saying? Absolutely. I made the mistake last year of working with one client and I tried to help him individually. And his two key guys, non-family members, they did not they did not receive it very well. And so I apologize. I said I should have told you to bring these guys in. Once we did, now we got it back on track. Right. Mm-hmm. 
Very good. Very good. So uh, I was uh, meeting with a uh, family business owner uh, this week, and we were beginning this process of talking about transition planning and the different options they were there. But inevitably, the first thing he began talking about was wills and insurance and powers of attorney, etc. And I find that this is something that's very confusing to business owners. What is the difference in estate planning and succession planning? Yeah, um, yeah. Another one I see all the time, Greg. Uh, and an estate plan is part of a succession plan, but it is a uh, it is absolutely not a succession plan. Um, and an estate plan can really mess up a succession plan if they are not properly coordinated. But really, uh, an estate plan uh, really deals with the transfer of ownership. Uh, of your of your assets and uh, your executor whomever you name becomes the owner and CEO of that estate and may or may not think the same way as the company's management thinks Um, and so you've got to make sure things are aligned but succession planning I view succession planning as the transfer of management and ownership or management or ownership of a, of a business in a thoughtful manner where you train people, you identify people. An estate plan um, is really only at death. And you don't want, in my opinion, to have your company's uh, life and uh, a, a survival based on an estate plan. Very good. Very good. Very good. So uh, you, you've mentioned that uh, you work with families uh, in this whole uh, transition process and everything as, as well as, as we do here at the Tennessee Center for Family Business. So, so what role can a family business uh, consultant play in developing a succession plan and seeing it to fruition with a business owner? Yeah, I mean, I think, Greg, and I'm sure you have seen it, um, what, when, whenever you bring a non-family person into the equation, or e- even a, uh, a non-employee into the equation, um, you, you become a facilitator. And it is a skill set, and it's not something that you can pull a book off the shelf and, and obtain. But you, be, you, you help the process, you, you translate what people say where other people may not have heard it the same way, and then you keep them on task. I mean, it's no different than a coach, right? Right. You know, mm-hmm. all the great athletes have great coaches, um, and I think that we, we act as a coach, uh, a little bit of a taskmaster. Uh, we we act as a historian. Uh, that's why I have my you know written document that says, okay, these are the three things, and these are the people who said they signed up for them. Right. Uh, so I think we, we play a couple of different roles in that capacity. Very good. Very good. So don't go it alone. <laughs> right. All right. Very good. So uh, we, we hear this whole uh, uh, question often with families. You talk about family, family members who are working in the business and family members who are not working in the business and this whole idea of equally and fairly. Um, so – how do I treat everyone equally in the transition planning process, um, uh, or should I treat them fairly in the process? 
Well, first, um, as I mentioned in the book, uh, equal is a mathematical equation. <laughs> Fair is something different, right? Right. Uh, mm-hmm. And so I, uh, and the other thing I try to tell many people I work with, look, my job is to educate. You make the executive decision. Just because I tell you I think it should be this way, that's not, that's not for me to decide. It's for the client to decide. And if they want to be equal, not necessarily fair, then that's fine. We'll figure out a way to divide this data up as best we can. And, you know, you can, you can do that. And I've had clients, wonderful, wonderful clients, who look, I want everything to be equal. So what we would do is we give the business one, one option. We give the business to, let's say, two of the kids of the six kids. And if their share is greater uh, than their, their otherwise uh, share would be, then they have to agree to pay the other four the difference. There you go. Uh, <laughs> and then, of course, the two that are working in the business say, well, I'm working against myself because I'm increasing the value and I have to pay my sister and brother for increasing the value. So there are balances you need to strike and you might say, okay, well, you pay 80% of it. There's all sorts of ways to skin the cat. But um, I have found that most people, when they're dealing with the business, understand the difference between equal and fair. And they, they, you know, most people love their children. They want to do the best for their children. And we find ways to financially reward the children that are not involved in the business. Because I think the worst thing you can do uh, in, in the effort of trying to be equal is give children that are not involved in business some type of minority interest. And um, as I mentioned in the book, when uh, I worked with one client and he was disappointed that his father was giving him 49% of a very large company and his brother 51%. The father said, do you realize how valuable 49% is? And he said, as respectfully as possible, yeah, as much as 51 says it is. (laughs) Very good, very good. Well, we're sort of coming to the end of our, our time together. What final piece of advice do you have for our listeners who are planning to transition out of their business and don't know what to do? Yeah, my, my piece of advice would be don't be in a rush. Don't feel that you have uh, to make a particular decision. Uh, but talk to somebody like you, Greg, or other advisors that can give them a better explanation of what's involved and uh, start becoming a student of it. Um, it, it's, uh, it, it. It's something you don't have to do overnight, sort of the Stephen Covey. Don't let the urgent and unimportant important get in the way of the non-urgent and important. Very good, very good. So you mentioned uh, your book. I know you have a new book coming out called The Succession Solution, The Survival Guide for Business Transition. Uh, could you tell us a little bit about when that book is going to be hitting the, uh, the uh, market and where people might be able to purchase a copy of it? Thank you very much for asking. Um, it will be on Amazon and all the other uh, online stores. My goal is to have it uh, for publication uh, by the end of April, and that's April of 2019. I've only been working on it for four years. <laughs> okay. Okay. Hey, it's a good, good three- to five-year transition process. That's right. <laughs> Oh, very good. Well, we're really looking forward uh, to that coming out. Thank you for allowing me to to read a a, a copy of it prior to our our 
our recording of our podcast today. I thoroughly enjoyed it, and I know that our listeners will enjoy reading reading it, and I'd highly recommend that for those who are really interested in learning more about transition planning and uh, the family dynamics of it, we'll really get a lot out of it. So thank you very much for spending the four years to write that. Thank you. Our guest today has been Bradley Frank an attorney with Houston Harborough Law in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. He's a lecturer and author on estate succession planning topics for closely held companies. To learn more about Brad and the Succession Solution, visit their website at www.thesuccessionsolution.com. Bradley's book, The Succession Solution, The Survival Guide for Business Transition, is coming out soon. To our listeners, thank you for joining us for the Family Business Today podcast. Brought to you by the Tennessee Center for Family Business located in Nashville, Tennessee. Our passion is to help families deal with the unique challenges of working together in a family business and planning for a successful transition. As a free gift for listening to our podcast today, text assessment to 444-999 to receive your own transition planning readiness assessment. To learn more about the Tennessee Center for Family Business, visit our website at www.tncfb.com. Until next time, thanks for joining us.